Hey everyone, so we are back and today is the 14th. I always have to look at my watch. I'm getting better at this. But it's April 14th and I have a special guest with me today. I have, um, you may have heard a voice. You may have seen her singing. You may have even heard her on some of our commercials for some of our one accord events. I have one of my assistants and um, one of, one of I guess what I have to say, one of the most trusted people here at Black Push and the work in which she does. Barbara, um, who's joining me today for this discussion we're going to talk about today. But um, it's interesting because, and even Ali, I think you can kind of, we, I think yesterday we talked about, um, we talked about Kentonji and we're in this moment in black history where we're celebrating like our first black Supreme Court justice. And the moment we're doing that, we have two big things happening in the country. The first was, of course, um, the shooting in New York, which I think we have some video from that or... Yes. We do, and we're going to show that real quick. All right, we have breaking news right now out of uh, NYC, New York City. Police are saying that there was a shooting and an explosion at a Brooklyn subway station. Apparently, there are numerous people injured. So if he actually did call in himself, and, and they confirmed that, um, it's it's very preliminary, but I would, I would say that one of the um, strong possibilities is that he wanted... He wants credit for what he did. He wants people to know that he's the one that's responsible. And I know that for a lot of your viewers, that's very difficult to understand. Why in the world would somebody want credit for such a violent crime? But there are a number of offenders that are motivated by that. They're motivated by the attention, and they do want to get credit for their crimes. So part of the reason why I brought you on today, Barb, is because this, this story with Frank James is so interesting because of the fact that he literally is a guy, um, he literally called the police on himself. And he was like, I know you guys have been looking for me. My phone is going dead. I'm at this McDonald's and this is where you're going to find me. But it goes back to the narrative of us having to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I remember, y'all, were you here when Stephen worked here? No. No. When Stephen worked here, Stephen, you know, works for G- Georgia DBHCD. And he may be watching now. Hey, Stephen. Um, but Stephen used to always talk about the aspect that a lot of people and most sheriffs I've ever met with would tell me that um, roughly 40 to 50 percent of the jails are filled with people who have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you come from a mental health background. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that we as people need to watch out for um, when it comes to like family and when it comes to like that breaking point? Um, usually with mental health, I know I dealt with girls who were sex trafficked mm-hmm. and then at-risk teenagers. So with them, it's all in knowing who they are, study them. And if they do something out of the ordinary, they're reaching out and they're crying out, especially if you're not listening. And if you say he told the police, mm-hmm. that the police should have listened. Yeah. Because then this could have been avoided. Somebody could have came in and helped him. But because didn't nobody listen, he felt like he could take it on himself. Now the whole world is listening. Yeah. And the thing that I find interesting is that how many times have we heard about these like these massive killings and at the root of it, like there's signs out there previously mm-hmm. to it. And I think it goes back to the principle of like really paying attention to who you're around. Like me and you have mm-hmm. a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I know how you are Monday through Friday. And right. if you come in here on Tuesday and you're different than the way you were on, that you you are every other day. Mm-hmm. There's been times where I will pull you to the side and be like, hey, Barb, is everything? And there's been times you pull me to the side mm-hmm. and be like, hey, Sean, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. I, I think when we talk about mental health, one aspect of it that we don't talk about is that a lot of times when we have issues with mental health, um, 
the worst thing that we can do is to make a person feel like they're by themselves mm-hmm. or that they're alone. Mm-hmm. And I think even, Ali, I know we have the national hotline number. We want to keep on um, airing that like on and off throughout this whole series because of the fact that we have to really understand that when it comes down to mental health, like the worst aspect of it is feeling like you're alone. And I think that even, and, and I think too, getting rid of the stigmatism that counseling is mm-hmm. bad, mm-hmm. definitely in the African-American community. Absolutely. Like I go to counseling and if I feel like I'm, something's not right or I'm getting ready to have a moment or I'm getting or I'm getting sad or I'm getting depressed, like I, the first person, and you've done it for me, mm-hmm. I reach out to is my counselor and like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we have to find myself, find me on the books. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we have such that, but like, why is that stigmatism there? Like that counseling is a bad thing or to be able to talk about how you feel is a bad thing. Because you want to fit in with everybody and then you want, you don't want everybody to be looking at you strange. Like, is something wrong with she going to? She's going to explode. He's going to explode. So they look at you differently. So that's why a lot of people don't even want to go to the therapist. Because if someone finds out, then you're looking at me like I'm strange. And then now I'm going to feel like an outcast. But it's so needed. But it's the, so needed. But I think that the reality is that, you know, I, I, I always tell this story. that Somebody once asked me on a panel. They said, what's wrong with ministry? And I always use the metaphor. I said that ministry, in ministry we're not transparent enough, meaning mm-hmm. that we don't show the scars. And, and even from a Christian perspective, you know, I always I love the story of Downton Thomas, but we always preach that story so much. But we don't preach the narrative of the story was that literally it took Jesus showing Thomas his wounds right. in order right. for Thomas' faith to be to be built and restored, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because Thomas needed restoration of faith, and he needed to build a. And God was trying to build a new level of faith in Thomas, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if it had not been for Jesus saying, "Hey," and he didn't get upset about it, right? He didn't right. judge him about right. it, right? Right. He literally just said, "Thomas, if if you see my wound is what's going to build your faith, here it is, mm-hmm. right?" And the Bible says that Thomas initially said that I want to put my hand in the wound, but when he, and it didn't even take him putting his hand in the wound; it literally just took him literally just seeing the wound mm-hmm. to be able to have his faith restored. And I think that we have to get rid of stigmatism that we have to hold everything in. We can't mm-hmm. explain this. Or like you stated, like, I want to be a part of the crowd mm-hmm. so much that we got to understand, like, the same problems I'm having, I guarantee you most of the people in that crowd are having oh, the same absolutely. issues. Absolutely. A lot of people cover up. Like, you want to keep up with the Joneses, as they used to say. I'm a little older than you. But you want to keep up with the Joneses. You don't want the Joneses to know that I'm dealing with this. So I'm going to keep it to myself, even in the church. Yeah. Mental health is real. Yeah. And I know that I know a couple of pastors who have taken their lives because of mental health. You, it, It's not good to keep it on the inside because then it brings health problems to yourself as mm-hmm. well. And I, you know, me personally, if I feel like I need to stretch out, if I can be somebody here on earth, I know I can come to you and say, Sean, you know, I'm not having a good day. I'm not feeling good or whatever. But if you were to reject me and then the next person reject me, no matter how strong my faith is in God, I may be having a day where I'm ready to explode. Yeah. And I think that the principle, too, from a Christian, and going to a Christian perspective, because there's two aspects of it, right? Mm -hmm. We can talk about the Christian perspective because of the fact that we have in our metaphor, like, we tend to think, um, and we have a theology that says, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else, right? Right. When, (laughs) When the reality is that, God looked at us and said that if we and we're a, a creation designed to need the n- need the help of other people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That we can't do it all by ourselves, mm-hmm. and that's the way He created us, mm-hmm. right? Um, but from a, just even if you're not Christian or you're not religious, 
from a standpoint, no one is, it's not good to go through things by yourself. No yeah. one wants to sit at home and yeah. you just lost your mom mm-hmm. and you'd have to be at home by yourself dealing with that by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to be more transparent in, in, when it comes to mental health. But at the same time, we have to not be afraid and not have a stigmatism that if I'm going to go seek help, if I'm um, going to go to, to see a counselor, there's something wrong with that. Right, right. Even if you got to pick up the phone to call me to scream, yell, at least I'm there to receive your yell. Right. And then that might help you not want to go do something to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. And the it thing is. about it is that this guy, from what I, and, and, and I may be reading this wrong, and maybe Ali has more information on this, but literally from some of the reports, like, he had been calling, reaching out to the state of New York, looking for help, explaining that, you know, I think there was some, basically, he had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And even for, like, there's, nobody can tell me that if a person is being arrested, taken into custody by the FBI, and he's standing there smiling while he's being put in the car, yeah. that there's not something mentally mm-hmm. wrong with that person, right? Yep. Now, does mental health justify no, being able to do things, wrong thing? No, no. you still have a choice, no, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and, but there are some things that you can't control. Like, I, I use me as an example, and I'm going to be a little transparent about my own situation. You know recently I just went to a neurologist, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we did was a cognitive test to kind of measure out what my because since I've had COVID, I've had a problem with like remembering every aspect of things. Right. And, I, and I, y'all tell me all the time, I repeated mm-hmm. it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people who tell me, my sister, <laughs> literally, uh, sister tell me all the time, like, Shine, you told me that story like three times already, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm doing, because I recognize it. I'm doing everything I need to do in order to take care of it. I'm mm-hmm. de- de- seeing a neurologist. I'm taking mm-hmm. the medication they've given me. I am going out and I'm going to talk to my psychologist about it. Because again, the mental people understand that, but health conditions is a is oh. a whole nother aspect of mental health. Like health conditions, when people have health conditions and when you don't understand it, absolutely, it can cause you mentally to go places in your head that you would never absolutely. have vision yourself going. I and have been, I've been there. there. I have been there. Several times. I've had blood clots in my lungs and in my brain. And, you know, I was young, younger. I was like in my 30s when it happened. Had a heart attack. Had strokes. Young at 30. And I just, you know, in my mind. And I have faith in God and I trusted God to heal me, which he did bring me through because I'm here today. Right. However, at that moment, it wasn't good. Yeah. It wasn't good. I was like, I need to find somebody to talk to because why me? Why me? I'm too young to be going through this. So mentally, I had to prepare myself. Okay, you're going to have all these treatments. You're going to have to see the doctor all the time. But then my faith start to kick in. You got to stay strong, and you're going to have to make it through. So like you said, it is a choice. I could have chose to just go downhill and be depressed and sad, but I chose the other route. Okay, I'm going to do what the doctors say. Let me do what I need to do to get my health better. So And I think another aspect of mental health is that you have to be aware of your surroundings Absolutely. from the perspective of, if you're suffering from depression, mm-hmm. Ali's suffering from depression, and I'm suffering from depression. We don't need to be together. There, we need to have somebody in our circle that, that knows, that has been through, the, has, has overcome. Like, when mm-hmm. I say overcome, I mean, like, who's been there, right. done that, right. and they've come out on the other side of it, right? Because mm-hmm. you're depressed, I'm depressed, Ali's depressed, and the only thing we got is a circle full of three depressed people. Right. It, it, it doesn't really do anything to help, nope. right? Um, and, and that's why I'm like, and I am really... Like I, I battle with a lot of things that really kind of like that really keep me up. And one of the things that really keep me up is the fact that I, I can't think. I, I I would hate to think that a person um, 
that we're just purely that evil as people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm purely that evil to get on a, on, a, on a train, set off gas bombs, and start shooting on a train, mm-hmm. not caring about the life of somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't. I, I can't go for that. That's the way. And I know for a fact that's not the way God created people, yeah. right? <laughs> um, but again, all of us have our limits, mm-hmm. and all of us have our strengths, and we have to get to the point where we begin to realize that um, seeking help is not bad. Um, being expressive is not bad. Telling your story is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, praying is not bad. <laughs> Fasting is not bad, no, right? Not at all. But being able to know that you have a group of people around you or knowing that you have a resource of people around you mm-hmm. who you can trust who you know is giving you the right information, who you know is leading you into a good path, I think is extremely important. And taking the stigmatism off people that if you are talking to a psychologist or a therapist, that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's, it takes more guts to be able to walk into the office and say, hey, it's time for us to talk. It's Friday, <laughs> 2 o'clock. Um, versus that, because if we do that, I think that a lot would change in our society. So shifting from that, right, and and we plan on doing like a whole podcast, like a whole week about mental health. Like Mm -hmm. literally, that's one of the, if y'all want to work on something with me, Mm -hmm. um, work on getting Stephen George on, work on getting some of these other people on that deal with mental health. Mm -hmm. Because I think it needs to be like, even from from DHS, reach out to some people from DHS, I think it needs to be a whole conversation about mental health and the impact it plays. Because we can't talk about social injustice. Mm -hmm. We cannot talk about criminal injustice reform. We can't talk about ex-offender rehabilitation without dealing with the aspect of mental health. Mm-hmm. But another thing that, and I know we don't have video from it, but another thing I want to bring up too is that um, there was a shooting recently, and I'm gonna get that out of your way. Oh, and move over here. There was a shooting recently in, um, there we go, better, right? Yeah. Okay. There was a shooting recently in um, Minneapolis of a, of a black man and the officers actually released a body cam but without going too much into that story, because I'm still kind of reading about it, learning about it, one of the things that I find interesting is, you know, uh, I, I don't know whether you know this or not, but the state of Georgia just passed a law last week that said that um, charging people to have a carry permit, basically, is what the law identifies. Charging people to have a carry permit is against their, their right, their, their, their constitutional right of being able to bear arms, Right. So what we've done is that we literally said that you, anybody can openly carry anymore. You don't have to have an open carry permit. You don't have to pay a $75 fee because it, it, it steps on your constitutional right to be able to bear arms, right? But for people in the black community, imagine a police officer coming up to your car, pulling you over for a traffic ticket. And now where officers are already afraid of us or already afraid that there was something going on, right? Now you have an open carry permit or open carry permit that doesn't require you to have a license and you have a gun sitting in your car have we not just thrown targets on the back of a I mean on the back of a whole community mm-hmm. that's already having issues in this area it would be so it, it would be so bad for that to happen I mean I think everybody should have a permit because then if if it's free if I'm freely going to have my gun out just to protect me with no license no nothing like that and then an officer come up and they just happen to see it and then they shoot me. But at the same time, I'm not so biased. It's not just about the people. It's about the risk for officers, too. I would well, hate. Well, yeah, that's true. I would that's hate true too. to be a, I don't know how this bill does anything to protect officers, right? Um, to say that now, because, again, at least when you had a carry permit, there was a process you had to go through. You right. had to have a background fingerprint. Right. You had to go right. through a background check. You had to go before a judge. They had to approve it. There's a process you had to go through in order to get that, Right. 
Now to just say that anybody can open carry, now how does an officer know when you're a convicted felon and when you're not and when you're not supposed to be able to carry a gun and when you're know. not. They don't know, right? They don't know. But then too, it's it's no better than in, in New York. Remember New York used to have that law called stop and frisk, where they, if they felt like you were a threat, they were able to pull you over and stop you because you look like a threat. Mm-hmm. Now, this opens up a whole nother can of worms because now it's where like We'll have officers being able to say, well, I, you know, I had to check and make sure I'm running these extra checks on them because of the fact that they had to, they get their gun, gun out, right? I need to make sure that they weren't a convicted felon. But how do they, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be so such yeah. a downhill process. I, I don't know whether as a state we've made our, I know, I know for a fact as a state we've made ourselves worse by even passing this legislation. Um and I hope that, and I know it hasn't been, I don't know whether it's been signed into law yet. I don't think it has been. I hope that Governor Kemp won't sign into law, but yeah. um, with Governor Kemp, it has been signed into law. It has been signed into law. So, oh, wow. um, but with, you know, knowing our governor, he was going to sign into law anyway. Um, but that's the reason why I think it's extremely important, like as we talk about every day on Push Talk and being able to identify these different things, but also to being aware. Um, being aware of what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, um, there used to be an old saying that says, knowledge knowledge is power. And I remember hearing an old person say, it's not knowledge is power, it's applied knowledge that makes it power, right? Um, it. And mm-hmm. and it's the same concept. For us, we can't keep talking about this and we can't keep whining about it if we're not educating ourselves on when legislation is in session, mm-hmm. what bills are being passed in legislation, um, what are the, what's the process? I didn't even know what the process is. I just learned a term newly, like literally two weeks ago, called conference, where they can pass, bring a bill into conference. And even this, I mean, even today, like, I'm a Florida boy by nature. Still, Florida was in my blood. And I just read, uh, I was just reading this morning about how the Republican-controlled Senate in the House regen- or remapped the state of Florida, right? And it would have taken away six seats from Democrats in Florida from a state perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but the governor came back and was like, it wasn't restrictive enough. And now he called them back in the session. After Florida's out of session, he redrew the maps himself, called them back into session, and now he's going to make them revolt on the maps. And the funny part is that um, I don't know why um, Governor De- DeSantis likes doing his dance because it's probably going to go before a judge named Marky Walker, who's a federal judge in Florida, who actually, believe it or not, um, apologized to me one time <laughs> because of the fact that I was like when I first originally found myself in trouble I was over sentenced and when I violated probation Marky Walker was on the bench in Tallahassee and he had to literally apologize to me because I didn't even square out for what like the, the, the sentence they gave me mm-hmm. was way more burdensome than what I should have gotten and Marky Walker actually apologized I have the transcript to the day but he apologized to me for the over sentencing, but he said there was nothing he could do about it. But he's very, he's been very, been very much a thorn in the side of Republicans in the state of Florida. Um, and now he's the chief, I think he's the chief federal judge in the state of Florida. And he was nominated to a bench by Obama. Um, but he, I'm pretty sure that this is going to go back before him because redistricting, redistricting has already gone up more than once in Florida and he's knocked it down. I'm pretty sure this is going to go up and the maps are going to get drawn too. But again, unapplied knowledge. Yeah. Unapplied knowledge. Yeah. There's no power in unapplied knowledge. So, um, 
I know you were super quirky about coming on today, and you was not excited. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming and sharing oh, your expertise. You're very, very um, welcome. And if anybody knows, if you ever call up to the office and you're talking to Barbara, this is Barbara. <laughs> but also, too, just want to encourage everybody, if you are going through something, if you have something going on in your life, if you feel like you're all alone, know that you're not alone. There's a whole bunch of different resources mm-hmm. out here. We have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. That's 1-800-273-8255 on the screen. Please, 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 no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter whether you're on the right side of it or the wrong side of it, know that there's somebody out here to help you, um, and you don't have to go through this alone. But we'll be back tomorrow live, and I'm super excited. Um, We had such a great week this week, and we continue to have a great week, but I'm super excited. We'll be back live tomorrow, but um, enjoy this promo video, and like I said, keep checking out our website at www.blackpush.org because we have so many different events going on. We have... Um, uh, we're going to Augusta in May, I think May 21st, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be at, in Augusta. Then we follow the next month. We go into, in the month of June. We're going down to Macon for our one accord yes. conference. Yes, yes. And then we seal off in the month of July with our um, Black Push Presents, a Night of Service Gala event on July 16th at the Omni. So more information about all these things are going to be on our website. Um, please check out our website and join us for the journey. And we'll be back tomorrow at the same around the same time. Have a blessed day. See, the one part comforts for me was never for the people. What God told me, He says, I need a Nehemiah shake in the spirit. And I didn't get it. But what Nehemiah did is when God gave him a vision to rebuild the temple, Nehemiah went and he spoke to who? He spoke to the leaders. And the Bible says that when the leaders began to get on that part of the wall and began to work, the people who followed the leaders. We need leaders who are ready to get back to work. Because they're waiting on us. What are you going to do? What are you going to do?